Chapter 13, and just the last bit of verse 5. This is one of God's promises. He says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Uh, let me introduce you to Susan. Susan was two when her parents divorced, and with her mom and her sister, she moved 200 miles away from her father. Uh, growing up, she visited her dad uh, once a month and on holidays. Uh, but just recently, her dad got remarried, didn't tell her. Uh, the periods between the visits had grown larger, and her dad never phones. In fact, she's, if she wants a conversation with her dad, she has to initiate it. In fact, on the last visit, her dad said to her that maybe the visits weren't such a good idea because, well, there were quite a bit of work to organize. It is a sad, sad story of a girl, a daughter, who wants a relationship with a father and a father who doesn't want to be bothered about his daughter. Sad story. And you can imagine her in her hour of need or in those normal situations in life where you are looking to your father for some help, whether it's to fix a dripping tap, buy a new car, have a shoulder to cry on. For Susan, her father is not there. It is a terribly sad story. Well, our Father in heaven is not like that. And our verse tonight reminds us and teaches us and urges us to see that our father is not like Susan's dad. Now, our Father in heaven says to us, if you are a Christian, that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That is great news, isn't it? It is great news that the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who... Uh, put us on earth, has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. And let's just take that little promise, each phrase turn by turn, and then I want us to see one reason why we can absolutely trust it, and one reason why we might doubt it. Never will I leave you. Um, what, what have you done? Have you ever done something or think about who you are and think to yourself, God will never want to have anything to do with me. Uh, is, there, is, there a, is there something about you that you think, well, God just won't want to be uh, bothered with me? Well, our promise tonight says to us, God says to us, our Father in heaven says to us, never will I leave you never will I forsake you. See, this promise assures us that our Father in heaven will never withdraw from us. He will never come to the conclusion like Susan's dad did, that we're just a nuisance and not worth bothering about. No, our Father in heaven has promised, no matter who we are, what we think about ourselves, whatever we've done, our state, our condition, he has says to us, I will never leave you. The second bit of the promise says, he'll never forsake us. I wonder what, as you look out to the future, is there, is there trouble facing you? What is, what is threatening to overcome you? 
I guess there's lots of reasons we could come up with just from last week's uh, political turmoil and the, and the referendum. I guess that brings a lot of uncertainty to our lives. Well, listen to the, our Father in heaven. He says he will never forsake us. And that means, uh, that is an assurance that he will always be there to help us. Just look at verse 6, immediately after this promise. Uh, never, um, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What a, what a great promise that God will always be our helper. And the help comes from the one who's created the heavens and the earth. He's the one who's always going to be our helper. Uh, that's great news, isn't it? Great, great news that God will always be with us. Uh, one of the writers sums up that little phrase for us, that little promise in these words. God our Father promises to never leave or forsake us. Um, sorry, our writer, let let people do what they will. Let any circumstances arise. I will not at any time, on any occasion, for any reason, leave you nor forsake you. That's what God says to us tonight. That's what our Father in heaven says to us tonight. Now, let me give you uh, one reason why we can absolutely trust that and one reason why we might doubt it. Uh, the reason is this. Um, the Lord Jesus... Um, stood where we ought to have stood. He was nailed to a cross. And do you remember those words he said on the cross? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, the Lord Jesus has been forsaken when we ought to have been forsaken. He bore our sins that we might never be forsaken from our Father. And we can absolutely, absolutely trust this promise because Christ has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. You see, the psalm that, um, that Jesus quotes those words from when he's hanging on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The psalmist is wrestling with uh, a God who seems to not be listening and a God who seems to not be coming to his aid. And of course, that is, Jesus experienced that. We will never experience that. No, one, no one's ever experienced what it's like to have a Father in heaven who has forsaken them, who has never been there at their points of needs. So we can absolutely trust this promise that, that the Lord Jesus will be there for us because he has borne our sin and pers been forsaken when we should have been forsaken. Now, let me give you, an, as in the last three minutes, uh, give me a reason why we are tempted um, to not trust that promise. Did you see um, the whole verse? If you were to read the whole verse, it says this. Keep, the Hebrew writer says, keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The author of Hebrews sees that one of the threats to us not trusting that Jesus, the Lord, our Father in heaven, will be there for us, that he will never leave us or forsake us, is, it is our wallets. Now, we get a little bit uncomfortable when we talk about money. So let me assure you, assure you, assure you of a few things. One is, uh, we're not after your money. If you're not a Christian, you're not trusting Lord Jesus, then uh, this, this verse is not for you. Um, you're a guest, and we're not after your money. And the second th reason is, well, 
we've got no planned special appeals that I know of. Actually, if Bruce, our treasurer, could come up here, he would say to us, actually, we've got lots of reasons, absolutely lots of reasons to say that this verse is absolutely true because we've seen that God has provided for us. So let me put you at ease. But the Hebrew writer does say that we have to watch to see if we're growing in love with our wallets because money can do things for us, can't it? It can provide security. It can provide comfort. It can provide pleasure. It can get us out of trouble. It can do lots of things for us. But the Hebrew writer wants his, his readers to see that if we put our love with this for our security, it is going to lead us away from the Lord Jesus. And actually, this is going to fail us. The one who's not going to fail us is the one who has made this promise to, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, there's a story told about a, 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 a Scottish Presbyterian minister in Australia and uh, he uh, wanted to teach his body that the Jesus was Lord. Uh, he realized that he, if, if our bodies are left unchecked, we've got desires that lead us in ungodly directions. And so he had a habit in the winter in Australia. I don't know how, how hot that is. I, I imagine it, it's reasonably cold. He habit, had a habit on a Wednesday morning when he got up and he, before he got in his shower, he would turn on the cold tap and his body would recoil. And he would say to his body, Jesus is Lord, get in the shower. Now, he's a, he's a Scottish Presbyterian, so that explains some of it. But it's a good, we may laugh at it, but it, he is teaching his body, he's teaching himself something very true, that Jesus is Lord, and it ought to have control over all, all of our bodies. Well, we need to do the same lesson with our wallets, don't we? We need to, to teach our wallets, our bank accounts, our wealth, that Jesus is Lord, and he's the one who's never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. So as we come to pray tonight, um, let me give you two things to pray for. One is, let's rejoice and be thankful that the Lord has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And let's, too, ask God to help us to keep guard that, our, that we're not becoming lovers of money. Um, the promise... Never leave, never forsake. It's quite a negative thing that produces a good thing. And a, the author puts it in parallel with this, this command to keep guard. And it's a command to all of us, isn't it? So this is a danger for all of us. So let's be praying that we would never become lovers of, this, of our money and that we would trust and rejoice in knowing that the Lord Jesus is the one who's promised never to leave us nor forsake us.